Hello, you are listening to the All Girls School podcast. I'm your host, Victoria Barrett, a graduate from an all-women's college in Virginia. This podcast aims to highlight the diverse experiences and life journeys of graduates from all women's colleges. Listeners can expect to hear candid conversations about a wide variety of topics. This podcast strives to be in an inclusive space, so some guests may identify themselves as non-binary or trans. I hope you're ready because class is about to start. Hello, listeners. This is your host, Victoria Barrett. I just wanted to let you know that you are currently listening to Episode 2, Part 2 with Kat Narvaez. If you haven't listened to Part 1 yet, make sure you stop, go back, and listen to Part 1 before you jump into Part 2 so that you'll understand where we're picking up. So let's go ahead and jump into Episode 2, Part 2. We were talking a little bit earlier about like you getting involved in policy because, um, like you said, your fate is in like the hands of the courts. But um, like legislation can make absolutely make a difference if if Congress, you know, can actually get things passed, get things done, you know, because there are opportunities to help not only dreamers and DACA recipients, but also you know, other people who are undocumented. We've known the system is broken for a long time, and yet there has been no action. Like, I feel like then, like in my entire life, like you can see there are debates, like presidential debates going all the way back to like the early 90s when I was born, where we acknowledge that the system is broken. And yet, you know, I'm 32 years old and nothing has been done. Yeah, you know, I I have been honored to be like granted a platform to like advocate not only for me and I when I advocate I always advocate for the 11 million undocumented immigrants that Mm -hmm. live in the U.S. that call the U.S. their home but you know every time I've given a interview or I've done a speech or I've talked in front of you know people I have always have one or two people come to me and tell me well my family did it the right way Mm -hmm. like I you know we had to wait three years and we waited and you know and it's like that's great. And I'm not going to take that away from you. Um, but it's like this system and like just like politics in general pit people against people when it should be people against the system. Because, mm-hmm. you know, while you only had to wait three years, if you look at the wait times for Mexicans or or like specific ethnic groups or or, or, or um like groups in general, some of them have to wait up to 25, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a town where it's, you know, lack of opportunities, it's crime ridden, or you're, are you going to just wait 25 years? No. And it's like, it's like understanding that this system is fundamentally broken and it needs to be fixed. Um, but somehow we are just a very reactive society and we don't tackle issues at the root we kind of just always put band-aids on them, which is what I think DACA was. DACA was a band-aid. Instead of having legislative solutions, it was like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and this is why we are where we are now, where it's being battled in courts, where it's, you know, mm-hmm. deemed unconstitutional when, you know, it's, it, it, it had the potential to be a program that could help so many people. And, you know, and I remember telling you this earlier, when I was younger, I saw a a poster or, or like a, a I can't remember if it was it was a picture that said 
Imagine if the cure for a disease or a type of cancer was in the mind of somebody who couldn't get educated. And that to me has like stuck um, in, in what drives my advocacy um, in trying to catalyze like systemic change to ensure that a lot of people have access to healthcare, to education, to opportunities. Because imagine if we were a society where we empowered and invested in younger generations to be the change that they want to mm -hmm. see, right? We would be so much further ahead. Instead, we're going backwards. Yep. And so it's like, you know, this just having that be like driving my advocacy. Yeah, yeah we're limiting our talent pool. And it's a shame. Um, as far as like listeners who are hearing your story, hearing about the fact that like DACA, um, you know, is in the fate of the courts, what kinds of things can listeners do um, to support uh, DACA recipients? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the I always tell people the best thing that you can do is one, educate yourself. Right? I, I take the opportunity to listen and to learn. Uh, because I want to be the type of person that whoever I have the privilege of serving, whether as a physician or just somebody down the street that I don't even know about, mm -hmm. I want to give them the same dignity and respect that I would give anybody. And I think that that starts with education, right? Taking the time to like really learn and understand the issue. Um, and that can be done, done through so many things, whether it's uh, reading, uh, listening to a podcast, listening to people's stories, um, kind of diving into like how the system works. Um, just gives you a better understanding. Uh, second, I you know if you have the capacity to donate, there's a lot of organizations that advocate for immigrant rights, freedom, mm -hmm. uh, freedom for immigrants. You have ACLU, you have Casa. Uh, you know, there's an organization that I sit on the board. It's called the Refugio. Like, there's just so many organizations that are doing great work to advocate uh, for immigrants. Um, and then there's like policy, right? Like, I I think that. You know, the more, and I've always said this, whether it's health issues, whether it's social issues, social justice issues, environmental justice, whatever it is, some things can only be addressed by fundamentally changing the system. And that means that we need to use policies to catalyze change. Um, and so, you know, put your vote towards something that is going to systematically change the system so that you can, you know, move move the needle forward, whether that's, you know, right now there's um, introduction of, I, I think it's called the dream, the, I can't remember the name of the, of the bill right now. Um, mm -hmm. That is, you know, uh, advocating for, uh, for undocumented immigrants and immigrants in general to have a pathway to citizenship. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's stuff like that, that really, you know, um, will move the needle forward. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like just voting with intention mm -hmm. um, and, you know, understanding that like your vote is not just for you. It's for an entire community, for your community. Um, and to uh, look at people uh, not from for like what they contribute. And like, I think, you know, even even when we look at people now, it's like, you're like, what can they do for me? Yeah. Which is like, I guess, <laughs> but it's like inherently we are all humans. Yep. We are all um, deserving of opportunities of working hard and seeing our dreams fulfilled. And um, how do we advocate for everybody? Right. And I always 
I always say this, you know, even though I grew up undocumented, even though I grew up in Title I elementary, middle and high school, even though I grew up with the shorter end of the stick, I am still very privileged mm-hmm. and I use my privilege and my platform to make sure that I am advocating for other people so that other people can also experience the same level of privilege or even more mm-hmm. than I've been granted. Um, and so, you know, even though I can vote, I still do voter re- registrations. Yeah. Like I, you know, the nonprofits that I was leading before, like I, you know, I co-launched another nonprofit mm-hmm. where we would go out in the community, encourage people to vote, encourage, educate them on like mm-hmm. the process. Um, because I do believe that that is one of the best ways to really change the system. And I think a lot of people are very disheartened. And I think it's because the system has failed them so much. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, you bring up a good point about not only like voting and how important it is for people to register to vote and go out to vote, but like also going past that, like holding your representatives accountable and calling them and emailing them with what issues matter to you um, so that you can create that momentum for change. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I always um, encourage people to just get involved too, right? Or even, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we think that you have to be the main person at the front of the line. And if that's you, great. You know, like a lot, my advocacy is being very vocal, yeah. but I have a lot of friends who are also advocating in different ways. Yeah where they share stuff on social media mm-hmm. of things that are happening or they'll educate their family and friends mm-hmm. who are close to them. Um, and, and, you know, you're educating one mind, changing one heart at a time. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is very powerful because then that person can go and educate somebody else. And that's how we become more aware in, in a, a more conscientious society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very valid points. Uh, <laughs> so... You just are about to start your second year in medical school. So (laughs) what inspired you to pursue becoming a doctor? Yeah, so I grew up in a community that lacked a lot of resources. Um, And, you know, I like I told you, like I grew up not ever going to the doctor um, where, you know, my mother feared navigating the healthcare system more than disease itself. Hmm. Not only was it costly, but the few encounters that we did have, people would say, oh, why don't you know any English? And as a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old, with my broken English, I would defend my mother. I'd be like, well, do you work three, four jobs Hmm. to sustain your family? You know, Um, and just seeing that interaction with like providers with people in my community you know I had the 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 opportunity to shadow a physician in here in my in the community that I grew up in and I like just starting to see a lot of this instances where providers didn't know how to provide adequate care to people from my community mm-hmm. they would say some comments like what are you doing here like if you're undocumented and it just very, you know, very different interactions than when I would walk in. And people would actually get excited when I would walk in and I'd be like, I'm not a doctor, you know, <laughs> like I'm just here to yeah. interpret or, or, you know, 
Um, but there was this one instance that I remember very vividly. Well, a couple of them, but like this one, I remember there was a transgender person that came in mm-hmm. and the physician had the audacity because like even, and, and I was, I was interpreting um, and he asked, oh, well, do you still have a penis? Right. And in my head, I was like, and, and, and this person had come in for an STD. Mm-hmm. Right. So you, your goal is to do no harm. Mm-hmm. And the moment like the, the people come in, even though you may think differently from them, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't matter at the end of the day, that is a patient and you have mm-hmm. to treat them with dignity and respect. And I remember I didn't translate that. Like I yeah. didn't interpret that. All I said was like, I can't remember what I said, but it was something completely yeah. different. And then I ignored the doctor completely. Um, but that person never came back. Yeah. He had to come back for treatment. Never came back. And I realized then, I was like, wow, like if I, if I want, you know, be, I want to be able to provide that empathetic care to anybody that I have the privilege of serving, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think it's, it starts with me like going to med school. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of that was like, I, before I went to med school, I went to get my MPH MBA and like even public health, the, the, the importance of public health, like preventing disease versus treating disease, uh, is not always emphasized. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I want to, to be the physician that works in the realm of like business, public health and medicine, like understanding how the healthcare system works, understanding how policies in the like, population health. And having that intimate understanding of that patient interaction and how I can use the intersection of all of that mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, catalyze change within the healthcare system um, to ensure that more people have access to healthcare, to ensure that we're um, impacting uh, population health and increasing positive health outcomes. Um, because, you know, the, the healthcare system, the way that it's set up now, if you can pay for it, great. Uh, if you can't, oh, well, right. It's like in, 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 I'm a firm believer that healthcare is a right, mm-hmm. should be a right. But as it stands now, it's a privilege mm-hmm. that not everybody else has, that not everybody has. And so it's like, how do we change that? And I've just been driven by this desire to, you know, ensure that people in my community have access to healthcare, ensuring that we're improving population health because a lot of diseases can be prevented mm-hmm. if people only knew. And a lot of that, going back, requires po- uh, policy change. Um, you mentioned uh, kind of like I want to talk about representation and kind of you wanting to change things by getting in the medical field. And you're at Emory right now, right? Um, and like I said, I've professionally stalked you. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw um, someone told you not to... Uh, like share where you were from, from Buford Highway? Yeah, yeah. So um, my first, you know, I had this mentor, um, a black uh, orthopedic surgeon. And when I told her, like, I was really excited. I was like, oh, I grew up on Buford Highway, which is literally like 15 minutes away from Emory, like Emory Grady. Um, And she was like, oh, I wouldn't tell people that you grew up on Buford Highway. I would tell them that you grew up in Shambly because that's an up and coming area. And... I remember like I was so shocked one because I was like this is supposed to be the person that is supposed to be empowering me 
Um, and, and, you know, looking back, it's like now I understand maybe she went through something similar. Maybe people looked at her differently because she grew up maybe in, in, in an underserved community. Um, but I've always been very, very, very proud mm-hmm. of where I am from, whether it's Guatemala or before highway. Um, but I remember to like a day later, uh, one of my patients that I was seeing was from before highway. Mm-hmm. And I sat with her and I was the only person that could t- talk to her directly. Uh, we talked literally tamales, peso pluma, which is like up and coming Mexican artist. Yeah. Uh, just everything. And, and, and the fact that this lady, you know, after, when she was leaving, she, she had uh, stage four cancer, mm-hmm. breast cancer. And, you know, she was like missing her family back home and stuff like that. And when she was leaving, she tells me, can I give you a hug? And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> Sure. Um, and so she, she gave me a hug and she thanked me. Mm-hmm. She thanked me. She's like, thank you for being with me in this moment. She said that in Spanish. We say mija, like my daughter. Mm-hmm. We kind of like translate to that. Uh, you know, thank you for being here uh, for me in this moment. And to me, that was like so, so important. And it was a, a I always call them full circle moments. Mm-hmm. Because here I was told to hide a part of me um, that is so fundamental to like my growth and where I come from um, to seeing how it positively impacts somebody's experience um, and, you know, uh, realizing that I, that that's where I'm needed. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, I am told to change who I am or, you know, I, I always tell people like, I like hoop earrings and red lipstick because I feel empowered. I feel like, um, like I'm in Spanish, we say chingona, which is mm-hmm. badass. Um, and constantly being told that like, oh, you can't wear red lipstick because that's unprofessional or you can't wear hoop earrings because that like, that's what hookers wear or like strippers and stuff like that. And it's like trying to change that paradigm and Mm -hmm. and that like that dynamic that, you know, in order for me to fit into this system, I have to change myself. And I think you said it earlier, you're like, you know, the difference between belonging and fitting in. And I don't seek seek to fit in. Mm -hmm. I seek to belong. And, um, you know, I remember telling you, like, I, I, I'm, you know, at school, like I, they had to take my picture and I show up with like red lipstick and like mm-hmm. a bright blue, you know, with little hoop earrings. And I was told, oh, we normally like neutral colors. <laughs> and I was like, um, yeah, you know, if I go back home and change, yeah. I'm not coming back. You want a diversity? Well, here it is. Yeah. Um, and it's like understanding that, you know. I, I am, and, and it took me a while to be here because I would always conform to the system. Um, and I've been warned to not ruffle any feathers, to just kind of go with the flow and that I can change the system when I get to a point of power. And I'm like, so what? Like, I'm supposed to just wait for, like, you know, for yeah. the system. And I think that's why um, we are where we are, because mm-hmm. people are just so afraid to to stand up for themselves and to advocate and to, you know... Um, it's okay if you ruffle a little feathers. And, and, and I remember telling you this earlier too, where it's like, you know, I, it, it got to the point where I have to send my friends my emails before <laughs> I send them out because I have been labeled as aggressive and I've been labeled as disrespectful. And I think there's a huge difference between that and being stern mm-hmm. and advocating and being um, and be able to stand your ground when you think that there's an injustice happening. Um, and, you know, now just being very extra careful to make sure yeah. that 
when I'm interacting with anybody that I am being the most respectful as possible. And I don't think that, you know, that is a reflection of me. But I think people are just not used to a powerful, like strong minded person standing their ground Mm -hmm. because everybody's just okay with like going with the flow. And that is just not me. And that is okay. Like I have understood that if it means that I'll get in trouble here and there, as long as we're moving the needle forward. Forward, No change happens without ruffling feathers and, you know, making people a little uncomfortable, making them look inward and like actually reflecting, oh, yeah, like that is a problem. So let's fix it. Let's change it. Yeah. And, it, and you know, in the medical field, it's very um, like you're supposed to just look down and do what you have to do in order to get through. Um, so, you know, I like I, I get why I've been told even by my peers, cat. Mm-hmm stop when somebody calls me oh you're very sophisticated in questioning that or when somebody tells me you speak very good English and I'm like what does that mean oh you're actually really smart what do you mean by that am I not supposed to be smart and the thing is like experiencing all of these things constantly has made me hyper vigilant to them mm-hmm. and I I always learn to respond to that by asking rhetorical questions like <laughs> what do you mean by that because then it forces you to really think yeah why am I, why did I say that? Mm-hmm. You know, what about, what about this person makes them look sophisticated? What about, you know, what they said means that they're actually smart, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, in, in a lot of the groups that I'm in, nobody else gets those comments, mm-hmm. but I do. And it's like, just, yeah, like, and, and, and people are like, just take it as compliments, just accept it. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I will not just accept it because those are backhanded compliments if you, mm-hmm. if you want me to take them by that, right? Um, but just being like very critical about the rooms that I enter and like being my authentic self. Um, and I don't think that a lot of rooms that I enter are ready for that, mm-hmm. which is okay. And it has caused me to get in trouble a couple of times. Um but I am not willing to change myself to conform um, to their expectations. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I always, I always say this to myself and I pray that I stay committed to my values, that I stay authentic and that I never lose this spark for advocacy and equity um, because this system really does break you down. Um, and I, want to make sure that I'm recharging and that I am taking care of myself so that I can continue fighting it. Speaking of recharging and taking care of yourself, obviously you're very busy. You've got a lot going on, like with medical school, things like that. How do you take care of yourself? How do you try to stay balanced? Because, you know, staying balanced, like, does can anyone truly be completely balanced? I, I think, I, you know, I always say this and it's like motivation mm-hmm. takes you halfway there. Right. But motivation always fades. Mm-hmm. It's transient. It yeah. like comes and goes. Discipline. Discipline, make it a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So I am a very disciplined person. You know, I work out consistently. Like it's funny because I always tell people that I'm a mediocre med student <laughs> because my my schedule, I get up early, go to the gym, come home, I work, uh, I eat my breakfast, 
And then like I find time to work. I find time to study. By six o'clock, done. Whether I got stuff done, whether I didn't, mm-hmm. done. And that's my time to relax. I'm reading a book. I'm watching Netflix. I'm watching something else. I'm doing something that I'm passionate about, whether it's advocacy, hanging out with friends. Um, and it's like, it's this idea that, you know, people people just want to conform to like, for example, like in, in med school, all my friends, most of my friends study till one, two in the morning. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. One, I'm mm-hmm. old. Like I am older. <laughs> like I, I, I don't think I can hang anymore. Um, but you know, they or or the, or they're eating pizza like every like yeah. five times a week. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be that physician, and I think I learned this in vivo. You mm-hmm. lead by example. Yeah. How can I expect my patients to take care of themselves, to eat healthy, yep. to sleep well, mm-hmm. to work out? When I don't do it myself, I'm supposed to be the leader. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be leading by example, right? And I cannot expect my patients to want to live a he- healthy lifestyle if I cannot do that myself. Yeah. And I, I commit to that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, really taking the time. Working out is already a part of my schedule. I don't have to wonder what time I'm going to do it, when I'm going to do it, or if I'm going to do it. It's already set. Mm-hmm. Eating healthy is already a part of my schedule. I don't have to wonder, oh, oh my God, what am I going to eat today? I'm like, Those things are already incorporated because a healthy body, a healthy mind mm-hmm. gives me the power to push through all these things. Um, and so I, I commit to that. Um, and, you know, I think you have to be very adamant um, and acknowledge, right, that I don't, and I, and I, and I think, you know, if your goal is to get 99% of the questions right, great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd rather be a very well-rounded person, mm-hmm. very well-rounded physician, because I want to be able to inspire my, my patients mm-hmm. and knowing 99% of the information is like not yeah. as important as making sure that they understand that I'm listening, that I understand mm-hmm. where they're coming from, that I'm going to do everything in my power to get, because the yeah. thing is, it's practically as physicians or people in general, it's practically impossible to learn everything. Yeah. Right. Um, but you know, I, and I see it now, even at the hospital, I'm on the oncology department. And there's people who are 40 years old who are, who are walking around with oxygen tanks. Yeah. And I, I'm like, oh my God. And there was this one patient who like, oh my gosh, it, it just struck me where he, he the, his prognosis wasn't good. And the thing is his body couldn't handle chemotherapy because he had all these other comorbidities, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, diabetes, like just, you know, and it, it just, he, he, his body wasn't going to take it, mm-hmm. was go- wasn't going to be able to take it. And so, he literally said, I wish that I would have done more when I was younger. And to me, I'm like, I'm going about it the right way. Yeah. And that to me was like, you know what? I prioritize my health, my mental sanity mm-hmm. over getting 100% on my test yeah. <laughs> or like doing all these things. You know, and, and the thing, and another thing is I only do things that I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about advocacy. So that's why, you know, I'm with Senator Gillibrand 
um, I'm passionate about like public health. So like teaching public health, um, I'm passionate about mentorship. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so doing things that, um, that I'm, that I, that I love, I don't think of it as a chore. And I think a lot of the times people do things to make themselves look good as like on a resume Mm -hmm. or like, and so then you're dragging at that point. And so, you know, I'm like, I'm a very spiritual person as well. Like I go to church. (laughs) I, you know, just like really trying to live the life that I want it being as healthy as possible so that I am able to, you know, cause havoc in the system. Yeah. And I think that like contributes to your, um, man, I just lost the word. I had it. Uh, credibility that's the word I was like man I just had it It was on the tip of my tongue as a doctor like like you said leading by example you Um, learned that in the military yeah you learned that I'm sure I'm sure you know you you were an officer in the military you you know yeah and I always said like I never expected like even even through B-Will I never wore core frames Mm -hmm. like I always shined my shoes because I always expected people in my platoon and under me to shine their shoes and I like, how can I expect them to do that when I can't even do it myself? Yeah. Oh, you, I, you need to pass your PFT. How can I expect them to pass their mm-hmm. physical fitness test when I can't even do it myself? Yeah. So it's like always leading from the front and never from the back. Mm-hmm. Like it, it makes me think of my mom. She used to talk about her doctor all the time. And, you know, she was like, yeah, I talked to him about you all the time because y'all have similar interests. Like he likes to run, like he's very health conscious and stuff like that. And for my mom, like it was important for her to know that like her doctor was taking care of himself. So that gave credibility when he was saying, OK, like you need to make some of these changes. And yeah, it just gave that credibility. Like he's leading by example through all of those things. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's really cool. And I 100 percent agree about like the physical fitness, like taking care of your body, um, like I think a lot of people think about like the, um, what's the word, like um, the materialistic parts of staying healthy and staying fit. But, you know, when I think about aging, I don't want to be, you know, I've seen like my grandparents, like they've all, you know, they've all passed away and like they all had these ailments and like their quality of life when they were older was... (laughs) It wasn't good. Yeah. And, um, you know, we always hear this. That people are always like, oh, I'm here for a good time, not for a long time. And it's like, yes. And I and I always I hate when people say that because like even like I, I hear it a lot of the community like that, you know, that I grew up in. They're like, oh, de algo nos vamos a morir. We're going to die of something. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Yeah. We're all going to die. But it's like, do you want to be 40 years old carrying around an oxygen mm-hmm. tank because you have been actively smoking your entire life because you've never taken time to go on a walk or work mm-hmm. out or you know you've never taken that extra step so you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna try to eat vegetables today yeah. and the thing is like I, I want to also acknowledge that there's systemic barriers right like mm-hmm. that people live in uh in in food deserts yeah. or areas that don't have fresh fruits uh, or green spaces mm-hmm. like where they can't go outside and and go on a walk yeah. or when you have to pay, uh, deciding whether you want to pay for your bills or actually eat healthier food, yep. because the way that our society is set up, it's more expensive to buy a salad than it is to mm-hmm. buy a $1 burger, yep. um, you know, in McDonald's or whatever. And so it's like you, you understanding that there's all these systemic barriers. Yep. 
but then also, you know, taking that extra step. And I always, like, people are always asking me, like, how do you do Take the stairs. Like, you're going yeah. two flights of stairs. Like, instead of taking the elevator, take the stairs. Yep. You know what? Like, and I, I mm-hmm. say this all to the, the, the patients that I, that, I, that I would see. I would be like, you know what? I know we like tacos. I love tacos. Like, <laughs> I, will, I will eat my tacos and nobody will ever tell me anything. But instead of eating five, you know what? Let's do three. Yeah. You know, instead of like, you're, oh, you're drinking soda like every day. Well, you know what? I understand yeah. you like it. Why don't we do th- like yeah. twice, a, twice a week? Yeah, moderation. Yeah. And it's like a lot of people don't understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like those little quick, quick lifestyle changes can have a drastic impact. And you said it. You know, it's it's about aging. You want to you want to live a long life, but you also want to live a life where you're mm-hmm. able to bathe yourself and yeah. take care of yourself when you're in your 70s. That you want to mm-hmm. be able to pick up your grandkids, that you want to be able to drive and all of these things. And mm-hmm. so it's like, how do you do that now yeah. instead of waiting till you get to the point where like you can't do anything anymore? Yeah. Because like, you know, in, in, in scientific studies have shown that working out stimulates your brain. So mm-hmm. like it reduces the the onset of things like of alzheimer's and dementia you know you're having a strong heart um mm-hmm. reducing diabetes and, and and preventing like high blood pressure and cholesterol and all of those things helps your body you know what i mean so it's like just go that extra step uh, you know to 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 make sure that you're like taking care of yourself yeah I'm trying to be that lady in those TikToks that's like 80 years old running around that track and people are like, look at this 80 year old. Yeah. Like that's my goal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like that, that should honestly be, you know, the, and I, I tell myself that all the time, you know, I, I want to have kids eventually, mm-hmm. um, but I'm going to be a little older when I have kids. Yeah. But I also want to be fit to the point where like, if my kids want to go around and play soccer, I can yeah. do that. And that means that I need to put in effort now, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I think uh, society, America in general is very um what is it like driven by like you have to be doing something like in taking a rest is not seen as like like a good thing like you're just being lazy you're just you know and understanding that it's okay to not always be productive it's okay to take time for yourself it's okay to go to the gym it's okay to like do all of these Mm -hmm. other things um and I, i don't think we rest enough as a society um, because we're always go, go, go. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, like learning to to balance that. Like, and, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, like I wasn't always like that. I've, mm-hmm. I was that person before yeah. where I was consistently. But I, I tell people now, like this past two years, I have lived more than I did an entire decade of my life. When I started realizing the importance of taking care of myself, mm-hmm. taking care of my mental sanity, taking care of my body, and just having this shift in my mind that, you know, I, I can still be this badass person and pursue all my dreams and goals, but not at the expense of my health. That's awesome. Okay, so I do have some, like, to kind of close out, I do have some fun, like, kind of rapid fire, like, either or things. So, like, Ooh. yeah. Um, so I'm going to give you two options and you have to choose which one you prefer, like, um, off of the top of your head. So like, you know, maybe like a second or two to think about it and then you have to answer. Okay. Okay. Cats or dogs? Oh, cats for sure. Summer or winter? Oh, summer. (laughs) 
Um, love or friendship? Friendship. Introverted or extroverted? Oh, extroverted. Cautious or bold? I think you might have answered this. For bold, sure. for sure. <laughs> uh, hot coffee or iced coffee? I think it depends on the occasion, but probably cold. Okay. Or iced. Um, if you had to choose, would you rather see the future or change the past? I would say see the future because then you can prepare and plan and be proactive, not reactive. Nice. <laughs> cardio or weightlifting? Oh, weightlifting. Although cardio is, uh, mm -hmm. is oh, yeah, it's just as important. Yeah. Well, I think weightlifting from like a female perspective, like we get told that like that's not something we should do. Like um, I know, sorry, this is like a tangent, but like, I'm trying to like change my mindset around like strength training because I never wanted to like um, get too bulky, but that's kind of just naturally how my body is. So yeah. like I'm trying to like run with it. Like, yeah. And I think the fitness industry has created a very unrealistic expectation of what the body should look like. Mm -hmm. And we're all very, very different. And, you know, I recently uh, became certified as a personal trainer, not because I want to, you know, <laughs> have all these clients <laughs> and stuff like that, but. Because I wanted to understand how I can develop a program to ensure that I'm maximizing health mm -hmm. benefits, but also just for women. Yeah. Because I think, you know, you look at fitness industry, like fitness influencers and you see them like toned and like with a six pack. And that mm -hmm. is very unrealistic. For most women, we are literally badass, like working, going to school, yeah. literally trying to balance so many things that it's very unrealistic to think that we'll achieve that. But mm -hmm doing something for your body god like it's just you're extending your life yeah. your quality of life you're doing something for your health um and i think that that's more important and i and i wish and you know like i wish that a lot and i hope that more women understand that like going to the gym and lifting weights like mm -hmm. it's it's one so empowering but two is like it's okay and honestly we don't produce as as much testosterone as men do, like, unfortunately, because yeah. if we did, we'd be building a lot of muscle. <laughs> but, you know, men, men are able to build muscle really quickly yeah. because of the testosterone that they make. We, we don't make that much. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, like the the for us to be bulky, bulky, like mm -hmm. we would require yeah. some extra stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, OK, a couple more. Um, <laughs> singing in the shower or singing in the car? In the car. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Especially those long yeah. rides. Carpool karaoke. Um, okay, last one. Get a tattoo or get a piercing? I don't have any tattoos, although I've been thinking about it. So I'm going to say piercing. Okay. I would say tattoo because I have like five. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so this last part um, is just like an opportunity for you. It's kind of, it's called like plugging or plugs where you get to kind of like let us know, listeners, um, where they can find you, maybe on the internet or things or projects you have going on that maybe they can look forward to. Um, yeah. Well. So, uh, you know, I actually haven't told this to anybody, but I've been working on a book with like a publishing company. So wow. hopefully, you know, haven't decided when exactly I want to release that. Maybe I want to do that when I, when I graduate medical school. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I do a lot of op-eds. Um, but like social media working on that, I feel like, you know, I've told you this before. Mm -hmm. I think that 
uh, people are multifaceted. So mm-hmm. I'm working on like just revamping that side of, of, of my, of, you know, cause I do a lot of stuff. I do a lot of interviews. I do presentations. I'm like mm-hmm. traveling. I do research. I'm pursuing medicine. And so I think, uh, I need to maybe localize that in <laughs> one area yeah. and hopefully, you know, be able to show everybody how like multifaceted people can be. Okay. So stand by listeners <laughs> as soon as she drops uh, that information. Uh, you can find it on the Instagram page for the All Girls School podcast. We'll make sure we share that. All right. Well, I mean, honestly, I don't know how much time has gone by, but like, I feel like I could keep talking. I'm kind of sad that I ran out of questions, but this has been amazing and it's been like such a great conversation. And I've really enjoyed it. And I hope that you've enjoyed being on the podcast as well. No, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I feel so honored that I'm like one of your first few ones. Um, And, you know, I wish you the best of luck. And I think uh, this platform is like very important, um, especially because I think that the now and the future is female. Mm -hmm. Um, We always say, oh, the future is female. Like, no, right now, like females, females, like, we have so much potential and I think we just need to be given that platform and that, and that opportunity, um, Mm -hmm. to, to, you know, to be great. Um, and I think that by sharing a lot of these, not only resources, but also like badass women that, you know, Mm -hmm. in your inner circle, um, can empower and motivate other people to kind of just pursue their dreams and their goals and to be able to, you know, make change. That's exciting. Well, thanks again. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening to the All Girls School podcast. But before class is over, please take a moment to subscribe or leave a review on Apple or Spotify podcasts. If you enjoy video content, head over to our YouTube channel at All Girls School Podcast, where you can watch and listen to each episode. You can also follow us on Instagram at All Girls School Podcast, and you can email us questions, stories, and more at the All Girls School Podcast at gmail.com. That's it for today. Class is dismissed.